Hello, welcome. You're listening to Feed, Play, Love, a bite-sized parenting podcast, a place you can find advice, understanding and support as you care for your small humans. I'm Siobhan Hunt. We all think our baby or child is the most beautiful baby or child in the world, which is exactly as it should be. It's one of the joys of parenting, reveling in our love for our child. But there is a potential downside of this love, a practice that's been called sharenting. That is where we put all the photos of our kids online. Dr. Christy Goodwin is a digital wellbeing author and researcher. She's here today to talk to us about sharenting. Hi, Christy. How are you? I'm good, thanks. So it is a very natural desire to want to post photos of your kids online, isn't it? It is. I mean, years gone by, I know my mum used to take copious amounts of photos of me. I was a firstborn. It sort of dwindled as my siblings <laughs> came along, um, as their much smaller baby albums reflect. But we did this and they were put in photo albums. But now because of the ease of digital technologies and the omnipresence of our phones, we've now got a camera literally with us for, for nearly 24-7. And so we're trying to capture a multitude of those moments. And it can be great. I know as a mum, I have loved looking back at the, the cute baby snaps and videos that we caught that I would probably never go back to if they were shoved in a photo album. Mm. So I think it is natural that we want to do this, but there are some inherent risks I'm sure we'll, we'll discuss today. Yeah. And on that note, I remember with my daughter, my first child, I had absolutely no awareness of how it could be problematic. And it was literally like I felt like when I posted a photo of her, I was sharing my love for her to the world and funny little comments and stuff like that. Now I have a 10-year-old who doesn't even like me talking about her on the podcast, so hopefully she doesn't <laughs> listen to this, but she hates any baby photos that are up there. Um, so it's very interesting because I remember when I first heard about Sherrington and she was probably around one at that point, I remember hearing that and thinking, how could she possibly object to these photos of her online? That's, that's not going to happen, but it, yeah. it definitely did. And it's catching up. I forget which country it was in, but there is actually a case where a child has actually sued her parents. Um, it's from a European country for sharing photos of her childhood on Facebook without her expressed consent. And so that's obviously <laughs> an extreme example. Yes. But I agree, you know, often when we can't obtain, you know, consent from young kids, we're often, I call it, we're curating their digital DNA. And it's this idea that we are archiving, digitally archiving our children's, we used to call it their digital footprint, but I like the idea of their digital DNA. And as parents, we have a huge responsibility in terms of what we share. And whilst that cute bath picture, you know, with the bubble bath and their cousins in the bath as well might be fun to share digitally with your online community, in years ahead, it may not have that same cute factor for your child who's seeing that or who one of their peers has seen that and dis digitally disseminated amongst their peer group. So there are some longer term implications that I think, again, not criticising us as parents, I think we sort of dove into this digital world with heightened expectations, but we really didn't think about the long term ramifications. And it's one of those things that generationally, we won't be able to understand because we never had that happen to us. 
I mean, of course there will be, (laughs) now I'm showing my age, there will be parents who are going into parenthood now that may have a small digital footprint. But many of us who started sharing photos of our kids will never know what it's like to be a 10-year-old finding photos of us as a baby online because we didn't go through it. Yes. And so this is in parents' defence and with all aspects of digital parenting, we are in many regards the first generation of parents who are coming up with the digital rule book and we're doing it on the fly. And so we're looking around at each other and saying, look, what are you doing? We're seeing how other people are documenting, digitally documenting their lives. And we tend to imitate because we want to fit in as a human. We, we don't want to socially exclude ourselves. So we tend to imitate what our, our cohorts and our peers are doing. So I think we will see some changes over time, but we are in many regards sort of figuring this out on the fly. And that's not easy. Well, let's talk about some of the types of sharenting practice, practices that parents should possibly avoid more than others. Um, You mentioned there the photo of the baby in the bath. So nude photos, not a good idea to share, correct? Absolutely. I think for a whole host of reasons, one of the concerns with many social media platforms is that they change their privacy settings in an ongoing way. So whilst you may have really tight privacy settings at one stage, if you haven't you know, meticulously kept up to date, and I know many busy parents forget to go into their social media privacy settings, um, but they can be adjusted over time. You also don't actually own the photographs that you share on social media platforms. The social media platform owns them. So there have been some um, rather distressing stories where parents have actually seen their photos of their children being sold or being repurposed. We have uh, really distressing stories and these are not necessarily nude photos, but these can be very, I call them vanilla photos, you know, the, Mm. the dorky first day of school photo that is digitally doctored. We know several years ago, a huge number, a really disturbing number of photos that were taken from parents' social media sites were digitally doctored and repurposed and tagged on a whole, in a very extensive pedophile curation site. So the problem is that once you share your photo, you often lose control of where it will end up and how it will be used. So my, my hard rules are definitely avoiding any nudity or any partially clothed or compromising positions that could be manipulated digitally as well. The other one that's often innocent but still seems to be happening in in large numbers is the first day of school or the end of school awards ceremonies with the school logo or in front of the school sign embellished. There are really serious concerns about doing that there are other concerns depending on how the photo is taken and uploaded with geolocation details. So if there are, sometimes there are child protection orders in place and other children have been included in the photograph that shouldn't be, there are some serious implications with that as well. I was told uh, many years ago that one of the best things we can do is to ask our children permission before we post, which you know, obviously you're not going to ask a one-year-old because they they don't have the capacity to respond. But when I was told that my daughter was five and she said no straight away and she's never stopped saying no. (laughs) So I, I very, very rarely have any photos of my children because then of course her brother came along and saw her saying no and he said no too. 
It's been a really interesting experience for me and I'm wondering if that's something that you think is a good idea. It is and it's a policy that I have implemented and there's a couple of reasons for doing it. I think that if we start doing this, as you said, from an age-appropriate age um, where we can get some sort of consent, what we're doing is first and foremost giving them the option of saying, no, I don't want that, that posted or shared. The second thing that we get to do here is we are sending our kids really powerful messages about always getting consent before you share anybody's photo online. One of the issues that we're seeing with preteens and teenagers at the moment is that a very awful form of cyberbullying is, and it tends to happen more with girls than with boys, but girls are are posting very unflattering, very embarrassing photographs of their peers in an attempt for some sort of retaliation or pretending that they didn't know it was unflattering. So we're training our kids from a young age that you really should be getting permission before you post anything online. And can I share a quick story here, Mm. Siobhan? I had a a parent um, and she's given me permission to share this um, story, (laughs) but she had two sons. It was a wet weekend, long weekend, and it was Monday of the long weekend and they found the family photocopy up back when we had photocopies (laughs) and her boys did what many adults do with a photocopier (laughs) and decided to photocopy their buttocks. Anyway, the friend just took a photograph, not of them straddling the photocopier, thank goodness, but just of their their printed buttocks and said, day three of a wet long weekend, look what happens in my house with boys and just their their nude bottoms on the, the printout. The boys went to school the following day and while they were at school the following day, all of their friends started to ridicule them and say, ah, you were you were photocopying your, your bum, blah, blah, blah. And they were mortified. They walked home from school and greeted their mum and they were absolutely devastated. And she realised the reason they were ridiculed is that these boys' parents had seen the post and had shared and mentioned that this was what had taken place. And you just... As parents, we often don't realise that it can have a really serious contagion effect. So what might seem funny and humorous to us as adults can actually may and possibly inadvertently shame our kids as well. So we just have to be so careful. And it's heartbreaking when it happens. Like you never want your child to be feeling that way because it's something you did thoughtlessly. One of the things that one of the uh, unexpected results of asking my daughter for permission to post her image is that she has such a greater understanding of privacy, which mm. is which is something that I think our generation missed going into the digital world, missed on our way to accepting social media. I remember one of the early adopters once said to me years ago, our oh, privacy is dead, which I thought was very strange because human beings need privacy. Like that's that's a thing that makes us feel secure. But in asking for her permission, she's come to understand that when you post a picture, even if someone's not in it and you tell them what you're doing, then you don't have that moment anymore. You know, one story that illustrates this for me and it really hit home at the time was we went out for a coffee, just her and me. Obviously, she wasn't having coffee, hot chocolate. (laughs) And her favorite thing in the world is to have these lemon meringue tarts. And we sat down. And we were eating and having a great time. 
I'm a parenting podcaster. It is good for my social feed to actually show I have children, which no one would know. They think I just have a dog. And so I said, I started to take a nice photo of the meringues. And she said to me, what are you doing, mum? She was probably about seven or eight at the time. And I said, oh, I'm just going to take this photo and post it. And she went, I don't want everyone to know what we're doing. And it just hit me. I'm like, wow, you know, she knows now the impact of sharing online in a way I never understood when in my early 20s, in my late teens, when we were able to start doing it. Yes. And I think you're right. We're losing those intimate, personal, really significant moments if we're digitally archiving them for everyone to see. And, you know, I heard someone saying, we used to get the, you know, the annual letter that you would write with your Christmas card when you used to send them and document all of the major milestones and events that had taken place in your life that year. People often aren't doing that anymore because they say, well, I've archived it on social media. So we're, we're changing how we interact. The other thing that that conversation just made me think of is that we have to be so careful as parents that if we are so preoccupied with taking the photo and capturing the video, are we missing the moment? You know, mm. Have we really authentically experienced and treasured and, and soaked up every minute? And I'm not for a moment suggesting that every parent, moment of parenting is soaking <laughs> up. Let's be real there. No. Um, but, you know, are we missing those, those moments because we're too busy digitally archiving them? I had a mum who went to her son's assembly. It was a prize-winning assembly and she was so thrilled to be there. She'd raced from work, got there on time got there in time for him to receive his award, pulled out her phone and was quickly pressed what she thought was record, didn't watch him actually getting it, was just looking through the lens of her screen. And then when she went to hit stop, she realised that she'd not only not hit recorded, but she'd also actually missed watching it because Mm. she was glued to her screen. So I think we've just got to be careful. And it's it's not saying that there's one right way or not, you know. I think parents have a right to obviously take photos and collect the moments. But I just think we need to strike a better balance because I would hate for us to get to the end of our children's childhoods and adolescence and have a camera roll full of photos and videos but have really missed out on those moments along the way. That makes me think of the TED Talk by that amazing seven-year-old girl in Perth. Yes. Where they play a video. So she's talking about the difference screens can make to your connection to your child. And there was one clip they had, and of course I've heard this before, but I saw the clip in that TED talk where the dad's playing with the child Mm. and he's got the iPad out or something. And the, the child is trying to get his attention. I don't know. It was something about that clip that made me understand it's a physical barrier as well as, you know, as you say, you miss the moment, but if your child's up on stage and you're holding up the camera, they can't see your face. Yes. And you miss that connection. And I tried to, even though my kids are older, once I saw that, I have tried to make really clear when my kids are talking to me, and I think parenting, another word for parenting is interruption because <laughs> you're constantly interrupted. But then I thought, okay, they're interrupting me. I want to stop and look them in the eye. Mm. not just talk to them while I'm tapping away on my laptop or whatever the screen I'm in front of. And just that one short five-minute connection with their eyes, I feel the difference. So surely they must feel the difference too. I agree. And 
We've, um, I've just been doing some work with some lactation consultants talking about the impact of phones while feeding. It doesn't matter if it's bottle or breastfed, but we are seeing that the phone is actually a physical impediment to um, newborn and young babies being able to facial map and they look at our, our gestures and our facial expressions. So I think the way we are interacting and our phones being that impediment, you know, I often worry if we're so glued to our phone, are we missing the micro moment of connection? You know, when they do something something really good and we were distracted did we give them the wink or the smile or the really glowing face I also think that if we're constantly documenting what they're doing and asking them to smile or to pose or to stay still just while we capture something we're also sending powerful messages that this is about performance and this is about you know creating the right look so we're really sending powerful messages about what is captured and what is aesthetic too and so I think this this is such a big conversation that we've gone off on I know it's huge and and also I know you feel the same way Christy about this um it's not to say that if you've breastfed and then looked at your phone or that you've been at the concert and taken the photo we all do this it's just having an awareness of what's happening as you said, we're the first parents to go through this. So if we can be aware of what's happening and maybe modify some of our behaviour, then that's that's good. Absolutely. And I, I often say, you know, it's not about making anyone feel guilty because when we know better, we do better. But I think that the technologies that we've been given have been so alluring and addictive for us as adults. You know, we find it hard to put down the phone. So we've just got to stop and, and think about, how are we using the technology? Are we using it in intentional ways or is it starting to use us? And so I really encourage people just to question, I guess, their relationship with their screen and how they're using it and start to use it in ways that works for them. One thing that does trouble me in this world that we live in at the moment is the uh, role of the influencer in terms of in our world of parenting, there are many many influencers who have built their brand or their their platform on their family life. So documenting their children, mm. documenting how things are, whether it's a perfect picture of flowing linen and sunflowers <laughs> or if it's the mess. The point being that this has been built out of images of their children. Mm. That troubles me considering what we've just spoken about. And I'm wondering if you've had any reflections or, or thoughts on that kind of business model and, and what it might mean for those children and those parents and those families in the future. Yes, and again, I don't think there's a clearly right or wrong answer. Um, I think my concerns as a researcher and a fellow mum, I guess, rest with how much privacy controls are in place, how much of the, the family life isn't shared online and how much control the kids have had in the process in terms of what is disseminated and distributed in a, in a public forum. My other real concern is that with these micro-influencers, a lot of them tend to share the shiny parts of life, the A-roll highlight reel, and this gives a very distorted view to other people who are consuming that. So I really encourage people to, to share authentically online and to, I encourage people to share the shiny and the shabby. 
um, so that it encourages other people to normalize their current sense of reality. Because the problem with a lot of these influences, with as you said, you know, the sheets flying in the air and the <laughs> hair all beautifully, immaculately done, and the matching shoes and neat socks. You know, we're lucky to get matching socks in our house. Um, I might actually document that because it wouldn't involve my children's faces, and they'd probably be happy with that to be shared online. <laughs> um, but we give a really distorted view and we have other people consuming these very curated you know aesthetically pleasing feeds and comparing their messy crappy reality mm. um, with these doctored very very artificial presentations of reality and it creates a compare and despair phenomenon amongst a lot of parents particularly mums so I encourage you know certainly share the shiny parts and it's great I think it's wonderful um, that we see that but I also think we need to be sharing some of the less shabby more shabby I guess parts of our lives as well. Christy thank you so much for your time today. My pleasure Siobhan. That's Dr. Christy Goodwin. She's a digital wellbeing author and researcher, and I'll put links to her website in the notes of this episode. I'm Siobhan Hunt. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please rate and review us so we can reach and help even more parents. And if you have a topic you'd like me to cover, send your email to feedplaylove at theparentbrand.com.au. See you next time.